This is the Vet Alumni Podcast with Tech and Prime. Vet Alumni Podcast. I'm Tech. He's Prem, and he's officially back in the studio this week. I'm alive. What's good, Prem? Fully recovered from COVID. Oh, uh, yeah. Yes, yes. Needless to say, it's good to be back. Yep, and, and as expected, Carson Wentz traded to the Indianapolis Colts for a 2021 third-round pick and a 2022 conditional first. Now, I say conditional first because it's already a second-round pick. If Carson Wentz plays 75% of the snaps or 70% and they make the playoffs, that second becomes a first. So in reality, it's a conditional first, which I think is likely to happen. I do too. And the reason the Colts did that and they're very smart is because of his injury history. Right. You know, if you are going to make a trade for a guy like this and give up draft capital of that stock then you have to make sure that your return on investment is up to par. Absolutely. I mean, I feel like they got pennies on the dollar. So from that perspective, it's it's not a great deal in terms of value for the Eagles, but I actually think having two firsts in next year's draft, which is extremely important, I can't put enough emphasis on that, and having extra picks that could, you know, potentially be moved or flipped to, uh, to go up in the draft, that could be beneficial for the rebuild moving forward uh, for this year and next year. So if you look at it that way, I, I actually think it's a pretty good return for for Howie, a.k.a. public enemy number one. He is public enemy number one. I, I like to trade, too, um, only because you weren't going to really get much more. And and honestly, with the dead cap hit that the Eagles are taking, which is oh $33.8 it's the largest dead cap money hit in the history of the NFL. That is... That's a testament to the failure of the whole organization in the yeah. Carson Wentz process and Carson Wentz uh, timeline. You know, you went from having a guy that broke the single-season franchise record for touchdown passes to a guy that is then requesting to be traded four years later. It's just remarkable how quickly it collapsed. Yeah, I mean, uh, I, I've heard the question all week, and it's been phrased different ways depending on who you're listening to. But... Uh, Are you going to root for Carson? Well, root is an interesting word. I'm not going to necessarily root for the Colts where I have like a uh, emotional interest. (laughs) See, I I look at rooting as an emotional interest. I can only literally physically have and mentally have an emotional interest in the Eagles winning and losing. However, I do take an interest in Carson's career. You know, I think he's a stand-up guy. He did a lot of great things around Philly, feeding the homeless and... He's a godly man. He's a good man. And I don't think that all of the things that have come out in the media about him are true. I think a lot of it's unfair. And the bottom line is he's 28 years old. He's a former second overall pick. He has reached MVP elite level play in this league. And being reunited with a mind like Frank Reich in a system that he's comfortable in with a team that is complete around him, elite defense, top 10 in scoring, top 10 in yards, two, maybe three great running backs that they bring back Marlon Mack with Jonathan Taylor uh, leading the backfield. Solid receiving core. I mean, they're they're ready to go. I would agree. I, I, all they really needed was a quarterback. That's it. And, uh, I mean, look, I'm not going to root for him, okay? But I, I'm going to root for him just enough to convert that second to a first Well, we got to get that first. And here, here's something <laughs> I want to ask you, Tech. Hypothetically, would you take this year's number six, that conditional second, which or conditional first, which anybody that would be looking at trading for the Eagles is probably thinking that's going to be a first anyway, right. and the third, and then maybe even an additional first or second, 
and go try to get Deshaun Watson? I mean, the obvious answer would be, of course. Right. Um, but I don't, I don't know if, if they should do that. I mean... I agree with you. I actually, I'm in the minority here, and, and I'm, I'm listening all day long and really all week long. It's it's crazy how many people don't really believe in Jalen Hurts. I mean, it's unfair because it's unwarranted. I mean, the, yeah. kid, the kid came in and in four games, which is a limited sample size, looked really good in probably two of them, and then kind of below average in two of them, and that's what you expect from a guy coming in from college just thrown into the starting job in a tumultuous situation with a terrible uh, offensive schematic this past year. It just didn't look cohesive at all. And then you got this kid coming in and expected to do what? You know, you need an off season. Yeah, you save the day. You need a, you need an off season. I want to see him get a good shot to, to have a real true rookie starter campaign. I mean, I agree. I think he's earned that much. And plus, you know, from our perspective... I don't know what this system looks like. I don't know what this offense is going to look like. I have no idea about Nick Sirianni and his coaching style other than from what we've been told. Yeah. Uh, I I have no idea what the defense is going to look like. I don't know what system is going on right now with the Eagles. There really truly is a lot of murky unknowns with this team right now. Maybe the most murky unknowns we've had since, ironically, before right before Andy was hired. And that's the exact reason, what you just said is the exact reason why I think Jalen Hurts should be the starter this season. I agree. You bring in like a Tyrod Taylor or somebody to, to, to mentor him, him and yes. be, be uh, you know, the backup just in case. You know, guys guys that are runners at heart, they tend to get injured from time to time. So it would be really good to have a reliable backup, but also somebody that can mentor his style of play. I'm all for it. I don't believe that you draft a quarterback high this year because it's just a waste of a pick right now. We don't know what we've got. Number one, it hurts. Number two, in this new system. Nothing. And you know what? Not only that, Tech, but you still spent a second-round pick on the kid. Why are you going to spend a second-round pick on someone and not give him a chance to show what he is over an an elongated period of playing time? Right. Prove that you got value at that second-round pick. Exactly. Because if they want to, they can then take that value. Say he looks pretty good this year as a rookie. Say he goes 9-7, and which would be, in my opinion, a successful rookie year. Probably not enough to make the playoffs. Could be. Say he goes 9-7. and Then you know... You have a guy that came in and did exactly what Carson Wentz did in his rookie year. They were 5-9, and nine, they finished 7-9, and nine, they finished hot. My point is, you got to know what type of value you spent, or you have from a guy you spent a second-round pick on. You have to know. And, I mean, I'd get him some, some weapons and try to fill out this roster because there are a lot of holes in this roster. Yeah, I, I, I got to go back to at number six. I've thought about it, Tech. We talked about it off the air. I want to put it on record. A couple weeks back, I was all excited about Devontae Smith like the whole country was after that amazing national title game performance, 200-something yards in the first half. Everyone, you know, was looking like this kid like the next T.O. But honestly, after trading Carson, looking at the roster, you have Deshaun gone. Alshon's going to get released. The report came out that he's going to be gone. Ertz is probably going to be gone. Yep. You need to bolster your defense because that's going to be the backbone of of your your squad when you're rebuilding is is defense because your offense naturally is not going to be lighting it up 
I agree you need with to that. take a cornerback yeah, at number Pat- six. Patrick Sertain Patrick is my Sertain guy. Patrick Sertain is yeah. the pick. He, now, after this Carson trade and some of the other moves they've made and the moves that we anticipate coming, you have to take a lockdown corner, a no doubt about it, top 10 lockdown corner, and you put him on that side opposite of Slay, and then and then you have a chance to hold teams under 20 points a game if yeah. Sertain is the real deal. And... Listen, if Hertz turns out to not be the guy, you know, we can always address it next offseason. Well, Me yeah. personally. You, you can because he's on a rookie deal. Right. So he's on a rookie deal. So at the very least, you, you can even go and get a, a guy comparable to like, you know, Ryan Fitzpatrick the last few years has been that guy that people were getting just for a quick one spot starter rental thing who's going to be serviceable, probably going to win you some games, probably going to be exciting doing it. A guy like that, and you, you, you sign him to a one or two year deal. And then you go back to the drawing board for trying to find your next franchise quarterback. And let me just put on the record, too, Tech. They would never be in this position if they would have just drafted the right wide receivers for Carson. He'd still be our quarterback, and we'd probably be looking at being a playoff contender again this coming year. A thousand percent agree. It's a shame, man. It's it is a shame. shame, and it's frustrating. So to sum up the Wentz era, how would you do that? How would you sum up the Carson Wentz era in Philadelphia? Unfortunately, the one word that comes to mind immediately is just tumultuous. Because he came in with a lot of excitement. Remember that preseason when he was drafted and he had the rib injuries? They didn't play in the preseason. But then he came in. He looked really good. He, he led the yeah. team down the, the field in his opening drive at the link in his career for a touchdown to Jordan Matthews against the Browns. It was right. a perfect throw, beautiful throw. We were so excited. Yeah. And he had a pretty good rookie year. We were excited his whole rookie year, optimistic. Boom, 2017 looks like the MVP. And then from there, it was just literally like something out of a Hollywood script of a tragedy. Yeah, I remember in that in the rookie year watching games with my dad. My dad saying, "You know, this kid's a winner. This kid is a winner." And um, you know, it's it's such a fall from grace. I guess my word would be disappointing to sum up the Carson Wentz era. I mean, look at it, it, he led us. He had a an MVP like season that led us to a Super Bowl championship. So it shouldn't be all doom and gloom on, on my part. But I, I, I would sum it up by saying it was disappointing. Yeah, that's tumultuous, disappointing. Yeah. I totally agree. Now, here's something that you have to remember, too. And I want everyone listening that is a diehard Eagles fan or even just a kind of an Eagles fan to understand and process this. Without Carson Wentz, the Eagles do not win a Lombardi trophy. He was indispensable to them winning the Super Bowl. And that is almost indisputable. Right, which would put put to rest the notion that that drafting Carson went second overall and giving up so much to get him was a mistake. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, that puts that notion to rest. So in true vet alumni fashion, with the end of the Carson Wentz era upon us, we bring you a positive, re- remembering the positive. A Carson Wentz montage. Boom. Here we go. With the second pick in the 2016 NFL Draft, the Philadelphia Eagles select Carson Wentz, quarterback, North Dakota State. First off, uh, I'm very thankful. Um, I thank Mr. Lurie, uh, Mr. Roseman, Mr. Peterson, Coach Peterson, um, really this whole organization, this whole staff, for giving me an opportunity. Blitz, Wentz, sees, spins away, what a move, Carson Wentz gonna run it, gonna get it, inside the 20. Lined up as if they're coming after him, and they do, and he's in trouble, Wentz will be escaping from the 18-yard line, how in the world did that happen? First down out to the 44-yard line. 
Was he down? Where did he go? Amazing. He's got everything you look for in your quarterback. He's big. He's 6'5". He's almost 240. He's got a cannon mounted to his right shoulder. He's a leader. He's, he's everything you want in a franchise quarterback. Quarterback. Looks the other way. Somehow gets away for the moment. Whoa. Throws under pressure and gets it away complete. To the 12-yard line of Hollins. Look at this. Somehow gets it away just before the knee goes down. There is no <laughs> that throw because his body was opened up almost like he was rolling out. Wentz stays on his feet. Gets it off and it's a touchdown. How does he get away from all these free rushers and make throws like that? Throws and is it intercepted or a touchdown? It's caught in the back of the end zone by Sanders. How in the world did Wentz get in that ball along the sideline? That is an unbelievable throw. Got the leg down, then his cheeks are down. It's all good. Now, it's just a beautifully thrown ball. I mean, where his guy or no guy, I, I mean... That, that might have been one of the best balls that I've seen all year. Please welcome the MVP, quarterback Carson Wentz. Now, truly, all the best football fans in the world, and you make it a joy and a pleasure to play for you. I knew this was a special place. A special locker room, a special organization, special coaching, and some seriously special fans. And I knew it wouldn't take long until we are standing up here, and here we are today as world champions. Located at 490 Lincoln Highway in Fairless Hills, PA. Broline Music. Everything for the musician, carrying all major brands. You find a better price, we'll beat it. Offering lessons in person or virtual. On site repair service center, rental, recording studio. Broline Music. Call 215-736-8055. One more time. 215-736-8055. Yes, sir. Broline Music. Broline Music. Broline Music. Everything for the musician. Enter the center. Yes! And the Sixers win it! With Tech and Prem. Alumni. As we walk across the street, we enter the center. And right now, the Sixers are active, and with that, the vet line is active. Prem, let them know what's happening. All right, so today on the vet line, we're joined by David Shepard, CBS Sports National Sports Writer, Sirius XM NBA Producer. David, thanks for taking the time out of your day today. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I want to tell our listeners or have you tell our listeners a little bit about your history. I see you used to work as an ESPN researcher. Uh, how long were you with ESPN and when did you do when you were there? I was there for about a year. Um, I did some production assistant work. So basically what that means is finding highlights, coming up with shot sheets. So what you're seeing the anchors read on the air, Those most of the time, 90% of the time, those will come directly from production uh, assistance and then in research I would work with Sports Center, you know, NBA Tonight, 
um, you know, we would do, you know, all kinds of NFL programming and I would just come up with what I thought was going to be the most pertinent, exciting statistics. And I know there's a lot of people out there that certainly enjoy themselves some analytics and statistics, so you can't go wrong with that. Yeah, absolutely. It's a key part of the show, kind of like the story behind the story, per se. Yes. Um, so shifting to the Sixers here, our beloved Sixers in Philadelphia. Are they having a good, are they having a good season? <laughs> Well, I think uh, they're doing a little better than they would have been doing if Brett Brown was still the head coach. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, what, 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 what do you want, Doc Rivers payroll? <laughs> <laughs> hey, we, we love Doc out here. The man is assertive, decisive, smart, um, aggressive at the right times. What, what are your thoughts on Doc? I love Doc. I mean, what's not to love? I mean, he might be the most affable well-liked there was a little back and forth between him and Paul George but other than that I mean players swear by him um they really love playing for him obviously we know what he did as a player you know in Atlanta the guy was putting up 10 assists per game I believe one season he played with Neek so the guy has the players respect the question I have and you guys know this is as 76ers guys is a regular season I, I don't have any any doubt when it comes to Doc Rivers the doubt I have with Doc Rivers is what happens when he doesn't have Rajon Rondo, Kevin Garnett, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce, P.J. Brown, Sam Cassell, mm. Leon Powell. You get the point. He <laughs> gives up a lot of series when he should win. Yeah, that is the question. And that leads me to my next question for you related to the Eastern Conference. We know that right now it's a proverbial tie atop the East with the Nets and the Sixers. Who has the edge in your opinion and why? That's, that's a good question. That's why we're asking you, Dave. All right, all right. So, sure enough. So, who has the edge? The Sixers are struggling in February. I'm trying to be objective here. I don't want to be like, I, you know, like the the Nets are not a flash in the pan. I mean, you have Harden, Kyrie, KD. Um, you have to go, you, you just based on experience alone. You have to go with the team that has Kevin Durant because we're talking two finals MVPs. We're talking about a guy that people wrote off. He is absolutely one of the top two or three players still in the world coming off that, you know, brutal, brutal injury. Um, The edge has to go to the Nets. Having said that, I love the 76ers team. Really? I love this team. I I know they struggled. (laughs) I, I know they were really hot out of the gate. I know they struggled in February. The edge would go to the Nets, but that doesn't mean the 76ers have a legitimate chance to not just represent the East and the NBA Finals, but hoist the Larry O'Brien Trophy. Right. Dave, everyone is talking about upgrading the second unit, uh, but I believe a major move to upgrade this starting five is actually what's needed to compete with Brooklyn. You envision Daryl Morey making such a move? I, I'm not. I mean, I'm trying to think of big moves he's made, like with Houston. Um, like it's usually, it's never really like a, a splash or a, you know, a, a season-defining move. You know, he does his big moves in, in the off season. You know, whether it's a, a CP3 or a Russ um, or a Dwight Howard. I know he's Houston for a long time, and he oversaw all that. I, 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 I would ask you guys: Is there a more exciting bench player than? I was thinking about this. Shake Milton. What was he, the 54th overall pick? <laughs> yeah. Resident G-Leaguer. Good and value. He, good value there. 
Right, right. And he was and now, now what I, what's strange about him, and I, I wanted to know kind of the reason, just knowing a little bit about him, is didn't he get offered a, a programs, uh, big time schools, and he chose SMU instead? I don't know that about Shake Milton. Is that true? I'm pretty sure he got all, two big scholarships, and then he got offered, and he was great in college, obviously. Um, but now, I mean, he's to me, he's one of the best bench players in the NBA. And I know a lot of people, you know what, on Dwight Howard. A lot of people do that, right? He's an easy target. He's a guy that people feel like has generational talent, should have been among the greats when it came to bigs, whether it's Wilt, Kareem, Russell, yeah. Shaq, mm-hmm. et cetera. But if you but the guy is in his 17th season. He's in his 17th season. And if you gave Dwight and Bede's minutes, any starters minutes, he's giving you over 15 rebounds per game. Absolutely. Translation. He would be the leading rebounder in the NBA. It's remarkable. I don't I don't make a move. I like this team. Now Danny Green can shoot a little yes. better, but you want to talk about a locker room guy? Because to me, he's I, I know he's officially a starter, but he's a you know, but he's a rotation guy. You know, I look at even though he starts, I look at him as a bench player. He's not one of the focal points of that offense, no. right? He's not the same defender he used to be, clearly. Um, but I don't touch this team. I know there's I know there's really not, no. You, you, no, every, everyone always wants to get better, but these guys like playing together. There's continuity. They know their roles. You know, sometimes you bring in a guy and it kind of that's backfires. true. I mean, not every not every team's going to bring in Rasheed Wallace like 2004 and somehow you know find themselves NBA champions at the end of the Philly season. Philly zone. Yeah. You, wait a minute. You don't see Kyle Lowry making a difference on this squad. Well, who? But but who are you going to give well, up? You're going to have to give up a of bunch course, of guys. Of course <laughs> Probably shake. <laughs> okay. Well, see now I, that that's mortgaging a lot because Shake is a third-year player. Yeah. Kyle Lowry's going on fifteen year. years. Yeah, you, you make a good point. You make a good point. I think it's Dr. J's birthday today. Happy birthday, Julius Irving, if I'm not mistaken. Is it his believe. birthday? So I saw it on Instagram. Where do you where do you rank him among all-time great 76ers? All right, I will go. It was birthday birthday yesterday. Okay, birthday yesterday. yesterday. There we go. I would go Wilt, obviously, is the undisputed number one. That's pretty clear. Um, for it, me, uh, I'm going AI second. Interesting, I'm going Wilt, I'm going AI, and then I'm probably going Charles, and that'd be my top three, and then Julius after that. I mean, I go AI, Doc. Yeah. That's what I mean, just because that's all I really know. And then it's Barkley. Maybe I'm showing my age, you know, in our late 30s here. You, I, I just, remember more more Charles. Wait, 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 wait. Time out. So I'm, I'm 34. You guys are late 30s? 30, 37. Yeah. Think Tech's uh, tech's almost 40. <laughs> Friend, technique. Guys, guys, think about it. Well, you're, you're omitting someone who's an all-time great. Think about who you're leaving okay. off. Okay. All right. Here we go. Here we go. So we already talked about the answer. The answer would be my personal favorite, but objectively, I think sure, Wilt. I, I think Wilt is the greatest objective. But Joel Embiid is also an absolute monster. We cannot take away from Joel Embiid. I, I'm. You got me, Dave. You got me right now. I'm, I'm trying. Guys, think, think, think. Parting the seas. Moses Malone. Okay, yeah, well, Moses yeah. was next. We didn't get to my fifth. Moses was my fifth. Okay, I, I don't know if you were omitting. I mean, that guy, you talk about, I mean, he was the MVP. Yeah. Of, not just the, he was the regular season MVP. That and is the true. That MVP. was a big splash trade, if I remember correctly, right? I mean, I don't remember, remember it, but I know they traded for him that year. Right. I, I was going more personality than player, I think. Gotcha, gotcha. Now, and, and here's what's amazing about it. I've When Iverson won the MVP in 2001, 
I thought that was more story narrative based. I never saw him as the best player in the NBA. I never saw him as the most important player in the NBA. But he was the most, you can make an argument, he was the most influential and the most charismatic. And granted, the guy was an incredibly gifted basketball player. But I never saw him as the most dominant, most powerful player in the NBA. You may have that case with Joel Embiid. Yeah, this guy is a monster. I, I can't remember because he, he, he's better. In my opinion, he's better as a 76er than Barkley ever was. I agree. All right, so he's having the best season of his career, but I mean, by far, really, by a mile. But I, I don't really see him being able to win the MVP. Am I, am I wrong for feeling this way? I don't understand why people don't have him as the leader. Well, it's because he sits know, out too many house. games. He, sit, he he plays few sits, plays a few sits. You know what I mean? So the six, so he's so they're nineteen. I want to think nineteen and six with him. Yeah. And they're one and five without him. So that means he plays about 75. That means he plays about 75 to 80% of the game. He would have to stay on that pace. But, yes. But, right. But if you have a team that wins less than 20% of the games without you, and then with you, they win around 80% of their games, and that, te- and that said team still finds a way to be the number one seed in your respective well, conference, now. you're now. the MVP. You're, 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 you're the MVP. There's no, there, you have to be the I MVP. I hear you. Yeah, yeah, that's I'm, an I'm interesting with, case. I'm with you on this. I mean, look at his performance, uh, the consistency of like the 30 and 10. I believe I saw something that it's only happened by a player like Wilt Chamberlain, something they, they flashed on the screen with his averages per, per game. Correct. Um, Correct. And he's number one in player efficiency rating. Yeah, that's key. That's that's a key statistic. I think a lot of people tend he de- to. He developed ignore. that fadeaway J too. Whew. Yeah, yeah. The, right. the man is. Uh, you, you could tell that he's matured a lot, not only as a, a basketball player, but as just a professional. He has a different air about him this year. It's more business with Joe. Oh, what one hundred percent, one hundred percent. And you know, the guy is a, a good defender. I mean. And he gives you 86% from the charity stripe. He gives you 38% from three. This guy is set a legitimate seven feet. And, you know, he's, listen, he's taking, I mean, him and Simmons, I mean, they're easy targets, right? Because then B came in and he has all this talent. And some seem as a goofball. Some seem as not taking the game maybe as seriously as we would like. And then you have Ben Simmons, who, you know, for the longest of times, every NBA fan says the same thing about Simmons. Why can't he take a shot three feet out? It's been the same story with this guy for four years. But you know what? As a Knicks fan, I would jump through fire to get one of those two guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, as a Knicks fan, you know, since John Starks, I think John Starks was the, uh, the last great player you guys had. I don't know. Well, we ha- well, I I would say Mello. Okay, yeah, uh, Mello. Yeah, Mello would be the last great player, and we'll we'll see what happens with Randall. I'm curious to see how much, you know, he can evolve and how far he can take his game. But Joel Embiid to me is the MVP. Absolutely, absolutely, he's the MVP. I'm with you. There it is. So even if the Nets have the better record, he's still the MVP because of the loaded talent they have among Harden. Durant, yeah, Kyrie. that trio is is phenomenal. Obviously, so then I will right, we'll close with this, Dave. Finals prediction: Eastern Conference representative, Western Conference representative. You don't got to give me a winner; just give me the matchup. Man, right now, 
it would it would just have to be Nets Lakers. Yeah, I think it, that's it. I, I'd like to right? see Sixers but, Jazz. <laughs> but, but, no, but right, but to your but to your guys' point, I can make a legitimate argument. Like it would not shock me. It wouldn't even surprise me if we have 76ers Jazz, 76ers Clippers. Right. I'd be surprised if another team outside of the Nets or 76ers represented the East, and I'd be very surprised if it weren't the Jazz, Lakers, or Clippers representing the West. Yeah, that sounds about right. Well, Dave, once again, man, we appreciate you taking the time, giving your insight on these basketball topics, and uh, we look forward to having you on again, maybe closer to the finals. My pleasure, gentlemen. Thank you for having me. I appreciate you. Thanks, Dave. Numbers don't lie. Numbers don't lie. Men lie, women lie, numbers don't. Numbers don't lie. Look at the numbers. The numbers don't lie. 14 seconds to go. 31-31. Matt Dodds the punt. Gets a high snap. Gets it away. It's a knuckler. Jackson takes it at the 35. Picks it up. Looks for running room. He's at the 40. He's at the 45. Midfield. He's at the 40. He's let it go. Deshaun Jackson. I don't care if he jumps, dives. He's running around. And he's in the end zone. And there's no time. And the Eagles win. The Eagles win. This is Miracle in the Meadowlands number two. Miracle in the new Meadowlands, baby. He ran around until all the zeros were on the clock. And the Giants fans can't believe it. And the Eagles have just pulled off the most remarkable win I have ever seen. Numbers don't lie. And with more dominoes falling this offseason, Deshaun Jackson has been released. So in light of that news this week, Prem, what do we got? Well, like you said, Deshaun has played his last down as an Eagle receiver. And here are some Deshaun numbers just to reinforce what he actually was to the Eagles franchise overall. Did you realize, Tech, that Deshaun ends his time as an Eagle receiver as the third leading wide receiver in team history? Wow. 6,512 yards, trailing only Harold Carmichael with 8,978, 8,978 yards, and Pete Retzlaff who had 7,412 yards. Pete Retzlaff was a part of the 1960 NFL championship team. Going way back. Way back. And Carmichael, you know, retired in the 80s. So Deshaun is in the modern era, well, just about the most prolific receiver, you could say, that the Eagles have ever had. Yeah. Um, In that era, his 379 receptions as a bird is six all time. His 35 touchdowns is top 10 at ninth. And actually, he has the third most yards per game as an Eagle receiver in the history of the franchise. 68.5 yards a game. The leader in that category, no surprise, is one Terrell Owens. Oh, yeah. 93.5 yards a game, albeit we have to include the asterisks. A limited amount of time. Green. <laughs> well, yeah. We get a season and a half out of this guy, but he still was ridiculous. Um, Deshaun did it for a way longer period. He also leaves as the franchise's most explosive punt returner. Four touchdowns in that role, one of them being the miracle of the Meadowlands we just heard the clip of. Oh, yeah. And he's tied for the franchise league in that category with Darren Sproles. So 
In the history of the Eagles also, this is, this is what got me, Tech. Only Zach Ertz has been targeted more times than Deshaun Jackson in the history of the franchise. <laughs> wow. Ertz has been targeted 837 times in what likely was also his last snap as an Eagle in the same game that Deshaun played his last snaps as an Eagle. That's hearsay. Not for sure yet, but probably. Deshaun, 685 targets. You may be surprised to know, Tech, that third on this list in the history of the Eagles and targets is Brent Selleck. Wow. 617 targets. I mean, he was Donovan's guy for a long time. Oh, yeah. He was Donovan's uh, Ertz. He was. He <laughs> was. Um, you know, just a remarkable career for our tight ends. When you think about the fact that Selleck and Ertz are two of the top three most targeted Eagles in the history of the franchise dating back to 1933. Woo. It's just crazy, man. That is crazy. Deshaun is an Eagles Hall of Famer. He will be inducted because of these numbers. He has to be. Yeah, he deserves it. He does. And uh, and a fan favorite, by the way. One of the in all my whole life. I mean, I, I can't remember a wide receiver that played for the Philadelphia Eagles other than T.O. in the Super Bowl year, the one year that we yeah. got a T.O. Yes. Um, I can't remember another wide receiver that was so celebrated by the fans. I know. The level of excitement for him when he would get out in the field is because you knew any given moment Deshaun's catching an 80-yard bomb, which he caught one in his last game from Jalen Hurts. Yes, he did. So on that note, we definitely appreciate what Deshaun brought to the explosiveness of the Eagles for a long time. Yeah. And the numbers in his career do not lie. It's time for Prem's Picks. These games are a blowout, a human lock. You can bet your children's unborn children on these games. Prem's NBA Picks. Well, Tech, we had a cancellation on one of them. We right? did. Spurs and Cavs, I'll get to that. Um, didn't play because of COVID. So when they do... I'll recap that on the show and add it to my tally. Yeah. But with that said, <laughs> I haven't missed yet. With there NBA it picks is. As I come in at 5-0, and oh, Sixers handled business against the Rockets last week as predicted in this segment. Yep. In the meantime, blemish-free NBA picks mark stands. Money in the bank. So with that said, going for 7-0. and oh, Okay. Here are this week's NBA locks. Locks. Tech, the Jazz host the AD-list Lakers tonight, and I think they win outright. The Ooh. Lakers just dropped an OT thriller to the Wizards and feel like a wounded animal to me, losing three straight games, lost four of their last five overall. We heard Dave talking earlier about the Jazz potentially repping the West in the finals as one of the teams he could see doing it, and this is the team they have to get by to do it, the Lakers. Yeah, I like the Jazz to win a big game in their building, close game, but I'm taking the Jazz straight up tonight in Utah. Mm. Lock. Lock. Next, give me the Bulls as five-point favorites at home tonight hosting the Timberwolves. Chicago's an average basketball team at best. The T-Wolves are a poor team, so in this case, you look at who has the best player, and it's Chicago with Zach Levine. The T-Wolves struggle to score, are losers of four straight games. This is an easy Bulls cover to me. Bulls minus five tonight. Lock. Lock. So to recap, we have the Jazz straight up in Utah to beat the Lakers. Lock. The Bulls minus five at home to beat the T-Wolves. Lock. This has been Prem's NBA Picks. See you next week. Vet alumni.